Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms, the 27th chapter, the fourth verse. I thank God for what he's going to give you today. And I, pr- I pray that, or I believe rather, that if you put this into practice, you're going to see some changes. Amen. Psalms, the 27th chapter, it's a Psalm of David. We're, we're discussing the fourth verse today and the fifth verse. David declared, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Come on, grab the hand of someone close to you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence right now. We thank you for all you're doing. Lord, we thank you. Father God, for the things that you're going to speak to us today, God, hide me behind your cross as I bring your word, Father God, that we can hear the message and not the messenger, Father God, that your word can proceed today, God. We thank you for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Tell somebody next to you, prayer and desire. Yeah, I started this series off three weeks ago talking about prayer and faith. I'll give you the synopsis of what was rather that prayer and faith were inseparable. Uh, prayer is faith in its youngest form. It is necessary. It is the building block of your Christian life. We then went into prayer and trust, how trust is the adult of, of version of faith. And trusting God is considered things done already, while faith is still hoping. And trust is just that thing that you know, that just, it, it, you know it's done. Amen? Um, you know, today I want to talk about prayer and desire. And, I, you know, people would think that I would talk about desire first. And, and I want to, if you take notes, write this down. Um, desire prefaces prayer. Desire prefaces prayer. Prayer. Desire always comes before prayer. Amen. In our study, we've been looking at these different things of prayer. Prayer never stands alone. It is always accompanied by something, covered by something. Prayer and desire. David declared in Psalm 27 4, one thing have I desired. Somebody say one thing. That I have desired. He said only one thing will I seek after. David in the book of, 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 I believe it's Ephesians, Galatians, and some of the other books of the New Testament, and all throughout the Bible, is described as a man after God's own heart. Now, when you put that into perspective, it's really hard to understand. I thank God he sees me through godly eyes and not human eyes. Because God said... David was a man after his own heart. David was a man of war. He had much blood on his hands. It is rather historically noted that David expanded the kingdom of Israel larger than any king. He was a mighty man of war. David was also a very sexually immoral person. David was an adulterer. David was a fornicator. David was a murderer. David was a liar. But yet the Bible declares he was a man after God's own heart. And if I didn't know any better, I'd ask the question, what is in God's heart? If David was a man after God's own heart and all he did was sin, all he did was bad things. And we see it throughout the scripture. He had a lifestyle of messing up. David had a lifestyle of making mistakes, but yet the qualification of God did not hinge upon his decisions to make, uh, rather, his ability to make good decisions. 
You should have got excited about that because that means all your mistakes don't really matter to God. Why was David considered a man after God's own heart? The answer I believe with all my heart is in this verse. And he said, one thing have I desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody say forever. And then he said this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire, somebody say inquire, in his temple. What does that mean? David wanted to pray. To inquire, to talk to God, to question, to just to have a conversation with him. His desire drove him to the temple day after day. And understand that as he's saying this, he's excited about God. The foundation of everything that David wanted in life was to pray. David understood what Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. How do you seek the kingdom of God? Through prayer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness is what comes with prayer. It's the change that comes after you start seeking God. Amen? And then all these things, meaning all the material things, all the things you need will come after you seek God first. David was a man of true prayer. He understood all things can be solved through prayer and that if he just prayed, he would be successful. Verse 5 declares that God, or rather what God will do for David in his time of trouble. For God would hide him and set him on this rock. That unshakable rock he's talking about is Jesus. He is declared in the Bible to be that, that, that rock. David had unlocked the keys to success. If you're taking notes, write this down. The key to my success is prayer. A conversation with God on a daily basis. Prayer and desire. Desire is not merely just a wish. Rather, it's a craving that comes from a place of utter necessity. Desire forms an intense longing for something. And most times, it will not cease or die until what it has been fixed on comes into its possession. Desire does not die unless it accomplishes a goal. You with me so far? Now, in the realm of prayer, desire is an absolute essential. Why is it that we pray? For we desire a result from God, right? You pray to God because you need something. You want to talk to him. You want to answer from God. You pray because you have a, somebody say, desire. Desire precedes prayer. Desire goes with and accompanies your prayer. And rather, desire also follows your prayer. Somebody say amen. Desire is always before prayer. Many times your desires create the need to pray and the time to pray. Because many times we say, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. But God knows when a need comes into your life, you got five minutes to get on your knees and pray. Desire creates things where you thought it could not be created before. Opportunities come from desire. Desire in your heart is extremely important. Many times you will see that your desire intensifies your prayer. For the deeper your desire, the deeper your prayer. If prayer is an outward oral expression of what is inside that you desire, that means prayer must come out into the open. 
Desire always remains inside. Prayer is always heard, but desire is unheard. Many times we do things as human beings without releasing the reasons as to why we do it, but we're working towards a desire. When you used to ask your parents, can I do this or can I do that? And they said no. And when you asked the classic question, why? They would give the classic response, because I said so. Truth be told, they must have had some desire. Sometimes you don't explain your full desire. Maybe the desire was to keep you safe, to teach you you can't always have what you want. Whatever the, the reason, there was a desire behind it. Desire is birthed through need. Without any desire behind your prayers, your prayers are almost meaningless. If your prayers have no purpose, have no meaning, have no feeling, have no goal, then what are they in the first place? Understand that it's just like mumbled words if there's no desire behind your prayer. If you have no desire now to pray at all, you should pray for desire. You should be saddened by a lack of desire to seek God. If desire is birthed through need, then that means that prayer must be birthed through desire. Anybody here have trouble praying? Because you don't desire that. It's not your will. That word desire is basically your will in action. Does that make sense? Desire is your will in action. Now, no matter what you feel, the church, the body of Christ, needs to get into a consistent lifestyle of prayer. Your feelings should not dictate the habits of your prayer life. Your feelings should not dictate the habit of your prayer life. A sense of need in your life will drive you to pray, even when you're feeling not in need, because many times you need stuff you don't see. You've had a need for this desire. This desire leads to a hunger. Are you with me so far? Tell somebody next to you, he's going to get somewhere. Desire leads to a hunger. Hunger is a physical sign of life even when it doesn't feel good. Hunger is a sign of life. Anybody ever been hungry? It means you're alive. Thank God. Now, if your spirit is not hungry for God, somewhere along the line it has died. If you have no desire to seek God, you have no, in the midst of all your sins, all your pains, if the desire to seek God is missing, your spirit has no life. And so if desire doesn't give birth to prayer and prayer to hunger for what you've been asking God, then in retrospect, your spirit is dying. Prayer is a sign of spiritual life. And without it, you're showing that you were dying. The word of God in James 1.15 says that when desire, talking about evil desire, it conceives. And then it, it formulates and it, it, it stays in your belly, your spirit, and then it gives birth to what? To sin. And then sin gives birth to death. James 1.15, look it up on your own time. James is speaking of this desire to sin. This desire to sin. But in, if you look at it with a, with a spiritual aspect, a, a desire to serve God, if, if, if desire conceives, it gives birth to prayer, and prayer gives birth to the blessing. If having an evil desire will kill you, having a good one will bring life. You have to understand this. You need to have a good desire to God. Whatever it may be. Hunger. Hunger. Somebody say hunger. 
We must desire and hunger God for an appetite in the physical. This is a proof of life. And we need the same in our spiritual. Listen to what Peter says about the word desire, 1 Peter 2 and 2. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Desire is a telltale sign of new life. He described it as a newborn. How many of you had a desire for something in your life? Ever desired a car? Desired a house, a man, a woman? And when you get that desire, what begins to happen is a new thing is birthed into your life. He's describing here as a new thing. He says that sincere milk of the word of God. When you think about this where he's describing the word of God, they had no Bibles. They had a couple of scrolls. They had the first five books of the Old Testament, but they had not the word of God. So the word of God that he is describing here is the word of God orally translated through prayer. Prayer. Desire prayer in your life. He says, as a newborn baby would want the mother's milk, desire prayer. How many of you want to be blessed every day? Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. How many of you want to be blessed every day? No matter what is happening, what it's looking like, you want to be blessed every day. Somebody say amen. amen. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. You want to be blessed? Get hungry for God. You want to get blessed? Be thirsty for God. How do you fulfill that hunger and thirst? Pray. I think over the last three weeks you have a concept that prayer might be a little important. All I have to do is be hungry and thirsty for God, and I'm blessed. He'll fill me up, for my hunger shows that I am alive in Christ. As you grow hungrier for God, you will find that hunger and desire leads you to pray. And when you get closer to God and hungrier for God, you will understand that hunger is a separating factor throughout all of history. What separates a champion from a runner-up? Somebody was hungrier. What separates these people? What separates a successful company from a bad company? One just wanted it more. Are you with me? What's the difference between your family that is successful and those who are not? Somebody in your family hungers for success. And when you hunger for something, you transfix your eyes on it and you will do anything to attain it. What separates stores? Who have great customer service from those who have nasty customer service. Because one has a hunger to be better. And they understand people will pay more for good service. Understand hunger separates. What separates a dying church from a growing church? Somebody is hungry for God. What separates these things? Hunger is a sign of separation. What separates a backslidden Christian from a Christian on fire for God and seeking God? Hunger for God. What separated Jacob from Esau? Esau hungered for only temporary things, but Jacob, Jacob hungered for a better life and eternal things. What separated Adam from Jesus? Adam sought and he hungered only to please himself, but Jesus hungered to please the Father. What we, you have to understand that hunger is a separating factor. Hunger is a sign of motivation. Hunger separates. We can go on for days about hunger. 
how it's a separating factor and how we must need to hunger for God. And prayer, we are in the face of God through prayer. And our desire is not simply just a need, but it's a deep yearning in your heart and what you need. Your desire is your will and action. Many of us have wanted things in our life. Can I give you some, some, some common points about desire? Desire exalts the object of its longing. When you want something, nothing is better than that thing. When you set your heart on something and you think of it day in and day out, when you set your heart on something, your desire exalts it above everything else in your life. Desire fixate its mind on what it wants. How many times you want a something you cannot think of anything? Throughout the day, you are thinking about that thing a hundred times a day. Desire does that to you. Desire never gives up easily, and desire overcomes every adversity. Desire is rarely ever deterred from its chosen course. Desire doesn't picture, now listen, an existence without what it wants. Therefore, not getting it is never an option. Desire does not see failure. Prayer based on desire is very specific. Desire knows its needs, feels and sees the things that it wants, knows what it has to do to meet it, and quickly tries to acquire whatever it is. True desire is accompanied by a thought of constant need. We're talking about something very powerful. Every decision made in your life is based through desire. Every decision, good decisions and bad decisions. We've all done bad things. We've all done good things. Desire drives every decision. Whether you desire to be good, desire to bless somebody, desire to grow, desire to have a better job, you take steps to do it, right? Likewise, when you want to be mean, want to be spiteful, hurtful, you take steps to do it, right? Desire fuels every decision you make in your life. If your desire is dying, your fire for God is dying. And we are growing cold towards God. Understand that God spoke to the prophet John in the book of Revelations 3, 15 and 17. Speaking of the, of the church in Laodicea. And this growing cold is a term in the Bible called lukewarm. You with me? A little quiet today, that's alright. When you grow cold towards God, he's talking about you're lukewarm. And this is described, and he says, you think that you have everything because you're rich and you have money. And he said this, so you ask for nothing, meaning you don't pray. He said, you are naked, you are needy, and you are sinful. Why? They had no prayer. He said, I'd rather that you would be cold, meaning not serving me, not even with me at all, outside the church. Or hot. He said, but you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Why? Because there was no prayer in that church. Prayer ignites a flame in your life. Prayer does not allow your love for God to die. 
If you've ever found yourself in a place where you feel as if your spirit is waning, you don't want to serve God like you used to, I guarantee you, you have no lifestyle of prayer. Stir up a fire of prayer. When the church prays, bondages are broken. When the church prays, that deliverance is in the house. When the church prays, chains are broken. Demons have to flee. Old lifestyles cannot exist. When the church prays, amazing things will happen. When the church prays, you have to understand, liberty will come to the captives. Only if the church would pray with a true desire to see God move, to see God work, to see real change in your life. We should desire to see God move. We should desire to hear from God. We should desire to see God touch us, bless us, bless our neighbors, bless our family. We should be praying day in and day out for First Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, the 17th verses. Pray without ceasing. Meaning having constant communication with God. We should desire for our homes to be in order. We should desire for souls to come into this church. For revival to break out. And for growth in our finances. For growth in our spirit. We must desire to pray. You cannot settle in your life. A lack of prayer is a sure sign that someone has settled into a rut. You're okay with that constant little lifestyle of seeking God. Isaiah 26, 9. Isaiah the prophet writes this. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. How should you desire God? With your soul. Let me just teach you something really quickly. Your soul is the eternal part of your body, of your, of your mind, of your everything. When God breathed into Adam, he breathed in a soul. So you have your soul and then you have your body. And in between the two is your spirit. Your spirit is the bridge to your soul and your body. Everybody get this so far? And so he says, with the everlasting part of me that will never die, my soul, I yearn for you and I seek you, God. How did he seek him? He said, with my spirit, I seek you. I long for you with my soul. I seek you with my spirit. Why? He had to cross a bridge of communication, a bridge of prayer. He said, my soul yearns for you in the nighttime. That word night, I've told you, it's not talking about nighttime like sleep time. It's talking darkness, time of sin, time of hurt, time of pain, time of just dis distress, time of tumultuous times. And he says, in those times, my soul needs you. And so I seek you with my spirit for the sake of my soul. Because if my spirit, which is my body, my mouth, and my heart, doesn't get it right, my soul will die in eternal damnation. With my soul, I yearn for you. I desire you. How many of you know it's your soul that brings you to church every day? It's your soul that keeps you coming when you don't feel like coming. Because God knows your body, your mind, and your spirit sometimes don't want nothing to do with God. Sometimes God tries to convict your spirit, but only gets a hold of your soul. 
And because your soul doesn't make decisions to animate your body, your mind and your heart does, you find yourself always sinning. But he said, with my soul, the deepest immortal part of me, God, it wants you. It desires you. He says this in the latter part of the verse. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. What is he saying? He's saying many times some of us don't know how to seek God until bad times come rolling in. We don't seek God until we've hit rock bottom. We don't seek God until all hope is lost. We don't seek God. We only seek God, rather, when we as humans have done everything possible, and then all we have left is to turn to God. He says, for when the judgments are in the earth, when the bad times are here, then the people will learn about God. My soul desires you, Lord. How many of you know your soul desires God? When you're here in service and you're here during worship or preaching and you feel God speaking to you, he's not speaking to your body. He's communicating with your soul. He's communicating with himself. Why is it the Bible says you are made in the image of God? Because you have an everlasting soul in you. Not because God's a man or a woman or has green eyes or blue eyes or brown eyes or a head or an arm. But because your soul is immortal and you are in the image of God. So when God speaks to your soul, can I let you in on a secret? He's talking to himself. He's trying to get a part of him back. Because now you're making God live incomplete if you don't make it to heaven. Because a part of him is inside of you. And he just wants to get back what's already his. And so when we ignore God, we live without him. We're not giving him back what's his already in the first place. So I desire God with my soul. You getting this today? I desire God with my soul. I seek him with my spirit. And I pray with my mouth, my body. So you have your mind, your spirit, and your body. His soul desired God in the darkest times of his life. He said, with my soul have I desired thee. This desire and prayer are extremely powerful. And if you were just begin to speak desire into your life, I can be honest with you today. I'm a very honest person. I don't always desire to pray. I don't. Can I let you in on a secret? I don't like praying. That's the truth. Sometimes you got to do things you don't like to do. How many of you know prayer can sometimes be boring? Don't be super saved. Be honest. Uh-huh. Feel like he never hears you? Never listens to you? Not everything you have to do, you're going to love. Some things you love to do, you can't do. But I realize if I want results in my life, I realize if I want success in my life, if I want to be blessed by God in my life, then I need to develop a lifestyle of prayer. I need to do this. And it's hard for me too. You think I preach this for you? I preach it for me too. I need to pray. Sometimes you have to understand a a word of God will come to me Not because I I just read it in a book, but because it's what I'm going through. I realized in my life I wasn't praying enough. Oh, I prayed in the morning, prayed at night, prayed and I got to church, but I needed a lifestyle of prayer. Consistent, constant, unwavering. And so I got to seek him with my soul, 
and my spirit and my heart and my mind and fixate my desires on the things that he wants. You know, I think about times in my life where I've wanted something. I remember after I drove my, my, my car, the one I have now, when I was test driving with my father, we were in Seymour, I believe it was, by Greenlight Auto over there. And I, 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 I got in the car, and I knew the second I got in, I wanted this car. I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world. Don't hate on my car. And so I, I got in it, and the first thing I did, I pulled the parking lot. Mind you, they have my license just in case they don't come back. I don't know how you can test drive a car with no license, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I went down this hill right there, and I started doing about 80 on the streets. And my dad's just like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, I, I want this car. This is it. This is it. Let's go back and talk to him. This is it. When I went back, it didn't go exactly as planned. And I woke up the next day, and that was my car in my mind. It was done. Hadn't got it yet. It wasn't 100% in my, but I was fixated on it. And I would not stop till I had it. How many of you men know you chase a woman and you won't stop till you get her? I wish you would just be honest that you have a desire for that person and, and you chase her down because you think she's the baddest thing in town. And women don't act like you don't do it too. You fixate yourself on some men. And you, you go through this thing and you wake up in the morning and you want to text her. Why? Because that's your desire. You can't stop thinking about that. Your mind is fixated on it. If only we would fixate our minds on God. If only we would seek after him. If only we could text him in the morning. If only we can, we can tweet him in the morning. If only we can Facebook him in the morning. If only if you're a loser, still got a MySpace. I'm just kidding. Maybe you can just talk to God in the morning. Jesus understood this. Jesus knew this. David knew this. Constantly in the Bible, you will read something crazy that I don't agree with. It says, early in the morning will I seek thee, Lord. Don't amen that because you ain't getting up early to seek him. I want to ask him, how early are we talking about? But he said, early in the morning will I seek thee. Early. Early in the morning to them was called the first watch, which was four in the morning. Oh, no more amens now. Early in the morning will I seek thee. Seek him. He said, I have one desire. Psalms 27 is an amazing psalm. If you have time to, in this week and you happen to open up a Bible, just read that one. Psalms 27. <laughs> Psalms 27, he says, I have just one desire from God. I don't need nothing else. I don't want nothing else. Nothing else would matter to me. As long as I have this, I'll be happy that I would be able to serve God and seek him and be in his house all the days of my life. Be saved. Be sanctified. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And that I could seek him and pray. If I can just pray every day, I'm going to be happy. That's what he said. Because I know when I pray, when the bad times come, he will hide me, he will shelter me, he will put me on this rock, and nothing will come near me. No enemies can stop me. And though I have a good day or a bad day, God is with me. If only, if I can only have this one desire and seek God all the days of my life. Too many times we seek God on Sunday and Monday, which is, whoo. He said, I want to seek him all the days of my life. Tell your neighbor, I desire God. 
if we would just begin to walk in that, in that desire. If you look at me now and say, I don't really have a desire, my prayer to you would be that you would just say, Father, give me this desire. Because the Bible says that whatever you ask for in prayer, if you believe him, it shall be done. The word of God says the power of life and death lie in the tongue. And if your tongue would just speak life, and you would say, Father, I desire you, it would come to be. Say it again. I desire God. Tell your neighbor, I desire God. Come on, stand with me. I don't know about you, but I think David was an amazing man in the Bible. He's not some character, not some fairy tale, not some story. But David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he was a man of prayer. Too many times, if I could just be so honest, the people who pray are just the women. But David was a man after God's heart, a man of prayer. Come on, every head, bow every eye closed. A man after God's own heart. <clears throat> come on, if I can have my prayer team come to the front. You know, I want to ask you today, is there anybody here who's struggling in your prayer life? I'm not asking you if you're saved or unsaved right now. If you're struggling in your prayer life, come on, if that's you, just raise your hand. If that's you, thank you, thank you. If, thank you, thank you. If, you. if that's you, if you raise your hand, come to the front. Let us just pray God's desire into you. Come on, I want God's desire to flood your heart. I want God's desire to, to, to infiltrate you. And if that's you, just saying, God, I need to pray more. I need prayer. Come on, if you're saying, I don't know Christ, Pastor, like you know him, and I, I want to see God move in my life the way you've been seeing him. I want to see God the way this church sees him. That you, come on, just come to the front. Thank you, thank you. God, I need desire. I want your desire in my heart, God. I want your desire, Father God. I want your desire, Father God. Early in the morning will I seek thee, Lord. One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Come on, if you're in your seat, just extend your hand and pray for these brothers, these sisters who are coming up. come before your presence God we just come before your presence even now Father asking you to speak to each and every one of us God to instill in us this desire for prayer Father come on if you're praying just pray for God's desire to come to these people God open up the windows of heaven over us this morning Father Come on, if you're in your seat and you still want to come forward, there's still room at the altar. Tell them, God, I just want, I want more, God. I need more, God. I, I want to serve you better, God. I want to know you. I want to make a commitment for Christ today. If that's you, come on, let's make your way to the front. There's room at the cross. There's room. There's room. 
Yo quiero más, 
Yo quiero más Yo quiero más y más y más de ti, mi Dios Yo quiero más Quiero más Yo quiero más y más y más de ti, mi Dios Yo quiero más Yo quiero más
Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for the lives that were saved. They know of two that committed their lives to you today, Father God. We rejoice, Father God, in, our, in the growth, Father God. We rejoice, Father God, for the baptism of your Holy Spirit, God, that came upon one today, Father God. Holy Spirit, work anew in us, God. Oh, God, work anew in us, Father, that we might see your glory, that we might see your goodness. Father, that we can know, God, that you're with us, God. Give us a desire to serve you. Give us a desire to love you. Give us a desire to know you. Awaken us, Father God. I rebuke every distraction in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every curse of the enemy, every dissension, Father. We would be in one mind to seek you more, to trust you, and to know who you are in our lives, God. Come on, in Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen.